0: It should be treated aggressively, and that ultimately decreases the sleep disturbances and is going to leave not only better outcomes for the atopic dermatitis, but overall.
1: That was Dr. Charles Lind. Dr. Lind is an associate professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto, and he's also the medical director of Lind Institute for Dermatology at Linderm Research in Markham, Ontario. He's our guest today on JCMS Author Interviews. I'm your host, Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery and a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Calgary. Today, Dr. Lind and I will be discussing the article that he co-authored in our January-February 2023 edition of JCMS titled, Sleep Disturbances in Children with Atopic Dermatitis, a Scoping Review. Well, Chuck, thanks very much for joining me today to talk about this manuscript. Now, you and I have known forever sleep disturbances are associated with atopic dermatitis. We heard it year on, year off. The, the big thing is sleep. What got you to look deeper into sleep disturbances and children with atopic dermatitis?
0: As you're well aware, uh, there are a number of newer therapies that have come up over the last little while. Uh, I, I think also the uh, sort of overall literature surrounding atopic dermatitis is exploding. I think for your journal, you're seeing uh, increased numbers of, of submissions. I think most of the journals uh, you pick up any journal, the uh, Journal of the American Academy, uh, the British Journal of Dermatology, a lot of atopic dermatitis, and people are delving deeper into this. And you know, we've always talked about itch, and that was the major thing, but I think most of us realize that itch ended up causing sleep disturbances and that was something that's important. And actually, when we kind of quickly went to the literature, there wasn't a lot in there about sleep. And this is a a scoping review that we did to kind of look at that, to look at what what is there. And I think one of the recommendations we made in the little paper was that, one, it should be treated aggressively, and that ultimately decreases the sleep disturbances, and is going to leave not only better outcomes for the atopic dermatitis, uh, but overall. Because as you're aware, aware, in children, shorter stature, ADHD is associated with it, uh, poor school, school performance, even falling asleep at school.
1: Yeah, well, I remember the T-shirt, if I don't sleep, nobody does. Yeah. you it yeah. came up at lots of meetings, right? In, how yeah. true.
0: And, and then again, you know, in terms of uh, it's been recognized that what happens to the child affects the, the, the whole dynamics of the family, right? So that the mother and father aren't sleeping. Uh, they're often at loggerheads with each other because they're, they're upset. The child's uh, waking them, or even worse, the child's coming into their bed in the middle of the night and scratch, 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 and nobody's sleeping. Everybody gets up in the morning. Everybody's lost sleep. And uh, it's not just the child, but it's both the parents and maybe other children within the family too.
1: I used to describe it as the best birth control available. (laughs) Um, Because when when your child starts coming into your bed as an infant and you allow them to stay... They're there till they're 10 or 12. They're not, they're, they're, they're intelligent you can't, you can't kick them out. You can kick your wife out, but you can't kick, <laughs> you can kick your kid out, yeah. They're, yeah. they're intelligent people once they learn your hot spots and you that you're going to bring them in to, to, sleep with you. And so that's one thing that I, I, I actually make certain that parents understand that do not bring your child into your bed. It's not good sleep hygiene for anybody. And um, they will continue on forever.
0: Yeah, I, I, I actually use part of that when I find that out uh, to be able to kind of quotation marks sell more aggressive therapies to uh, parents. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, parents, we have these a lot of these new wonder drugs. Uh, the uh, biologics, uh, dupilumab is an example, tralachizumab. Uh, we have the JAK inhibitors and everything else. And oftentimes the children, within children, they've never been offered any systemic therapy, whether it's a phototherapy, whether it might have been methotrexate, um, many of them are gun-shy even about using short courses of prednisone. And I, I use it to explain, you know, do you want this to continue, whether your child's scratching and scratching? I tell them the negative consequences of sleep disturbance, and I say, you're probably feeling some of the negative uh, sleep disturbances uh, problems also and they
1: begin to understand that it's a family problem and it's not just the child's problem. Yeah there's no better um, advertisement for systemic therapy and atopic dermatitis than a parent that has had severe atopic dermatitis that now sleeps well is doing better at work and I just say I say, well look at yourself. Do you, would you like your kid to go through the, what you went through? We can stop that. You know, and that uh, it, it sometimes isn't clear uh, that, it, that that's been easily recognized.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you know, Kirk, I think a number of times people aren't always rational, right? They're, they're not. And we're supposedly rational as uh, physicians. We're supposed to help guide our patients um, and help them achieve the best quality of life and outcomes. But sometimes you're hitting a, a roadblock uh, because there's right. an irrational fear of something. And you often have to explore that, what that, that fear might be.
1: Or the, or the irrational pursuit of a cure. Yep, yep. So we're getting closer to yep. finding that Holy Grail, but not there yet. Yeah. So w- I mean, when you... It,
0: go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I just in, in my lifetime. Uh, the, this was a disease that certainly was very uh, much underserved. You know, he often brought patients back and go, Oh, this one topical steroid didn't work. I'm going to uh, give you a different one. Yeah. And you use this one. And, uh, you know, people got infected. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, Staph aureus all over their skin. They might even got uh, yeah. the uh, herpes simplex on their skin. And again, it was just a round and around. It was like a mill. Uh, you were. Yeah, treating- you
1: had to be a salesperson in some respects, didn't you? Yeah. You, you know, take, and, and not take away hope. But nowadays, you know, new drugs, yep. new, new more aggressive behavior, new hopes. So when you, and just to come back onto the new medicine story, when you looked at the sleep disturbances in the scoping review, throughout the article you talk about there's quantity and quality of differences in sleep. And you, and you do make a point of uh, highlighting the fact that inflammatory markers may be A bigger issue than we had thought. It may not just be related to itching and scratching and rolling around at night.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, interesting that uh, that's that we put that out there because I don't think that's really been pointed out before. I mean it's very logical and rational. If you're itching, 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 you're not sleeping, right? And uh, that's the you're getting uh, your duration of sleeping, your quality of uh, sleeping and everything else. Uh, but there seems to be something else, too. And, you know, this is where understanding even in psoriasis, right? There's something else going on with some of these uh, cytokines that may, in fact, uh, cause uh, depression, anxiety in people, and that we really don't understand. So I think, you know, as you well know, when there's uh, new, newer drugs, newer hope and everything else, uh, people begin to delve into the disease and try to understand the disease, and oftentimes we come up with things that, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense, right? It's uh, it's been dogma for how many years? I mean, it uh, you know we were always told uh, when you and I were training that atopic dermatitis was the itch that rashes, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that was the association, uh, but in fact whether it's the chicken or the egg here, whether it's the initial uh, cytokines and the barrier breakdown that causes the itching, uh, and backwards. And there's
1: probably feedback loops and everything else going on here too. You really have to congratulate big pharma. It's not often people do that. But the idea here is that that research, based on so the introduction of a drug, and then all the research that falls from that this really expands our understanding of the condition itself. Yeah. So you've, you've been at meetings, Kirk, where you see, like in the
0: year 2000, and we're talking about psoriasis here, there were, you know, 50 papers on psoriasis. And along comes understanding of biologics, and the next year it's 400. And then the next year it's 2,000, and the year after it's uh, five or 6,000. And that's the same sort of thing. When you look at the demographics, uh, the number of published papers, uh, that are coming out uh, because people begin to understand things, and we also to understand uh, they should question some of the dogma that we've had around this. And ultimately, we're trying to get the best quality of life for our patients and understanding this disease well, not only for us as individuals, but uh, as a group of dermatologists, uh, physicians, and ultimately for our
1: patients. I use sleep to really determine whether or not my treatment. Is working,
0: yes, very much.
1: Right. I, even before itch, uh, I use sleep, and, and 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 I've done that for a long time. Just like just like the ADHD story. I mean, again, if the kid can sit at school better, then I think okay, I, we've made a difference here, and we've got a decent treatment. Whether it's methotrexate or new biologics yeah. or, or more yeah, aggressive. And again, that's treatment. part of
0: the uh, point of the paper is to elevate it to kind of being. In kind of first position, or at least shared position with itch, because uh, a lot of us, I think, uh, what I do in my chart, I often write a comment, uh, sleeping terribly, or but I often do a NRS. I, you know, have a little line, and yeah. I have them draw it where, where their sleep just dist- or their uh, itch is, and that is uh, sometimes a little bit more uh, tangible and I uh, think you do, whereas the sleep can be for many different reasons. You know, they're concerned about the test they're having the next day and everything else.
1: Right. Well, so. the other thing the other thing, your paper taught me was the difference, again, as I alluded to, is quantity and quality. Yeah. Ask a few questions about that. And the other remarkable thing in your paper is, is the underestimation of the problem by the parents. Yes. I was struck by that comment. I mean, I think parents actually talk about, their sleep disturbs their kid a lot and this work was saying well hang on they're not really getting the whole problem
0: yeah you and i've been around a long time Uh, you know you got the kid in front of you that's got uh, terrible cystic acne the kid wants to be on isotretinoin and the mother's all afraid of it and everything else and well isn't there something else and the kid's going please please I want help. I want isotretinoin because my, my brother or my, uh, best friend went on and everything else. And it's often the kind of, uh, parent that puts the kind of negative fear on it and everything else. Uh, and same with this, you know, uh, parents underplay this. They go, Oh, I want, I want the cure. I want my child to be a whole lot better. Uh, he's not attending school, everything else. And you're going, well, he's not doing all this because he isn't sleeping properly and we haven't got the disease under control. And then then the conversation flips to, uh, can we have – no, I can't even – we're not even using hydrocortisone here. And, you know, the calcium inhibitors, uh, you know – and you go well kind of what do you want me to give Uh, (laughs) something natural (laughs) something super safe (laughs) and yeah so sometimes our hands are very much tied and it's often because of the parents you know when you've got a kid that is uh, or a child or person that's 18 and over you're talking to adult now uh, and they can make up their own mind and you're then able to play on the situation you know you're obviously scratching 24 hours a day. It's probably pretty difficult to uh, do your university work and everything else. Uh, you're not sleeping well, da-da-da, and your grades are suffering, whereas the control in a kid is with a parent.
1: Yeah. The
0: parent is the one that makes the decision, and it's yeah. based on what they think yeah, about is this. the problem is.
1: So we had um, a sleep specialist on one of our podcasts, and okay. we, were, we were talking, it's Dr. Samuels, and we are talking to Dr. Samuels about this, and, and uh, he, his advice was, apart from sleep hygiene, okay, making sure the room, to, and uh, he had one thing to say, control the disease. Yeah. Control the disease, control the disease. And then so we chatted on for a long, longer time, and he says, well, once you control the disease, he said, uh, what do you think is the biggest problem? and i sort of stumbled up a little bit and and he said well it's right in front of you and of course it was my cell phone <laughs> and, and and so he went on to talk about screen time prior to sleep and he said kids two problems disease and screens really? control them yeah. and your the, and your kids will sleep much better he wasn't really talking about any kind of you know pill to give the kids or 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 or, you know some sedative or melatonin none of that it was it was all controlled control control the disease control the screens and and you'll have and you'll have success Sounds like we then
0: lose the kid because the kid says, no, <laughs> I want my cell phone time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the only time my parents give it to me is for the uh, two hours before I go to bed. Before you go
1: time. to bed. Exactly. Yeah. Just as, a, as a babysitter. Right. Yeah. So yeah. But that should stop. So if anybody has atopic well, children, um, that's, that's good advice. I, th- I think that's a pretty good advice. Yeah. And the other thing was he didn't really spend a lot of time on medications for sleep, as I said, and, um, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I thought I'd get the, the magic pill, right? You can use this one safely in children. And uh, his comment wasn't uh, with regard to medication because I, I recall using Atarax hydroxazine to benefit. And the benefit was sedation, you know, out. Yeah, and we used to think about, um, and, and maybe we were just being cruel to the kids and kind to the parents, but I can remember using it to sedation at nighttime, if the kids yeah. couldn't get to sleep, well, titrating that, it to sedation. Yeah, right? Still,
0: a, uh, quite a number of physicians still use Benadryl, uh, again, completely knocking the kid out, and again, that's an older, dirty antihistamine. Not to be used, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, it may sedate, but it also disturbs sleep patterns, right? Yeah, and so it just it just cycles the, the problem even deeper. Yeah, so control the disease, control the screens. Now, in your in this scoping review, did anything come up with respect to therapies other than that? Is anybody trying anything that you you ran across? No,
0: no. This was again a scoping review to sort of see what's out there what's already been published, and as you can see, you know, we got, uh, what, 568 hits or something. Uh, we narrowed it down to 31 that we felt we can extract uh, information out of. It. Uh, and again, a scoping review is not kind of, um, uh, you're extracting some information for more general uh, yeah. trends and everything else. Yeah. It's not rigorous uh, uh, science per se, but it's sort of showing what's in the literature and what should we be thinking about. Um, You know, when we first started it, I didn't recognize that there were other kind of uh, patterns too. So we had all about the decreased frequency of sleep, the quality of sleep. But we recognized that there are other things that are going on, like uh, nocturnal enuresis uh, that are happening, chronic uh, motions that people get. Uh, There were several other sort of uh, sleep-related things that are going on there at the same time. And obviously, the biggest one is kind of frequency and uh, the quality of sleep that you get and uh, the waking and et cetera. But there seems to be something else going on, and then we also left the door open that there's also that's things that don't fall into either one of these. That other things may be going on here too.
1: I was surprised that in this scoping review, there wasn't a pre and post. There was a lot of discussion about what the abnormalities are. But in the scoping review, there wasn't a lot of people saying, okay, well, this is the abnormalities I detected. I, you know, control the disease and control the screens, and this is way better. So I, I was stunned that, uh, that that wasn't present somewhere. We're not
0: kind of there yet. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're going to have studies that go on and use particularly the actor, uh, graphy where you wear the watch and you compare the amount of time and everything else. And people are going to do that, uh, that started to be used in clinical trials to uh, look at the uh, sleep disturbance and everything else and to be able to see what happens uh, longitudinally. Uh, but you know, the stuff that's really in the literature so far is pretty basic stuff. Yeah. And people said these are what's, what's happening, uh, but they didn't basically do a kind of before and after uh, type of uh, idea of this prospectively.
1: Okay, well, control the disease, control the screens. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we enough. can get it down to two basic mantras, and uh, maybe we can make a difference here. I mean, it w- you would think that somebody would have got the, I mean, it's sleep, it's it, the wearables for all this high-tech stuff. The wearables, you think, would be, you know, t- we'd be tracking the number of scratches per minute um, during waking, during sleeping, The you know, the clonic, tonic movements, the this, that, the other thing, you know, and try and, <laughs> and, try and do it. Because it's ob- it's good.
0: Kirk, as you well know, uh, clinical trials are becoming increasingly uh, difficult to do. Yes. And they keep adding things, you know. Uh, here, Dr. Lind, you, we would like your uh, patient to spend three hours in your clinic uh, answering all these questions. Uh, you, yeah. Oh, by the way, you have to do a, a depression scale. By the way, uh, you know, it's a topical drug, but you still need to do an ECGs <laughs> for them and everything else. And so, you have the, to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, the sort of, um, complexity and, uh, adding more things. And yeah. um, of course the, uh, pharmaceutical company would like to gather further and further data, but sometimes there's a breaking point of how much data you can, uh, get, um, and get easily without kind of having the patient give up their life to be in the
1: clinical trial. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm waiting for a sleep lab. I mean, because they're pretty prolific in our part of the world. Yeah. And I'm waiting for a sleep lab to start to do some of this research um, because I think it would be enlightening. To, to- yeah,
0: no, I think it's unfortunately, at least what I see in uh, Ontario here is the sleep labs are money makers. And they're, they exist basically to uh, take a person, evaluate them, get the consultation fee, get the kind of uh, fee for doing the rest of it. And I don't see many of them that are really interested in publishing what they're finding. Uh, I think they're just providing a service. Uh, It's like uh, going to get your ECG done or something. Uh, And it's paid for. And nobody's kind of tracking the last uh, 20,000 ECGs done in the month of uh, June in the province of Ontario or something.
1: Yeah. so you're not you don't think somebody will be looking at a having a six year old atopic into their clinic uh, for a sleep study probably not in the near future huh? uh I don't think so yeah probably <laughs> not
0: unless there's a good fee code yeah
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jack. I mean, that was interesting. I'm glad somebody's looking into it. I'm the scoping review. Hopefully, will stimulate stimulate some of our our younger colleagues to get that wearable iPad thing going and do some real work to show pre and post. Yeah. Because I think so, once they yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and you know, I think you you hit the nail on the head. You know, we we've, we've both been in dermatology for quite a while, and we've seen the, the spectrum of dermatology change quite considerably. And we're getting more and more data. Uh, you know, before, when a uh, kind of topical steroid was approved, it was like, oh, it worked. It Tick. Uh, now we're developing real data on each yeah. of the diseases we have. Uh, like, say, suppurativa, uh, supertiva. There, there was no scale. You basically, you and I basically wrote in our chart, oh, the worst case I ever saw. Or, you know, bad, bad, uh, major scarring. But there was no actual thing Um, up until kind of five, ten years ago. EASYs, what the heck were they? Uh, We didn't have to do PASYs except now for insurance reasons. So I think we're getting much more sophisticated and looking at our diseases much better to be able to quantify them. And that gives us data. And I think you are well aware data is power. And if you have lots of data and you can show things, then you can do things. You can go to the government and say, this drug should be approved. Uh, This is causing problems. Uh, You need that data, though, to be able to move forward.
1: And not just the data of this is what's happening. I think the data that we really need isn't we don't need to be data collectors any longer. We need to show that that power that you've got in data can actually make a difference. Yeah. So we've got lots of we've got lots of box checkers and collectors and observers and bean counters, but we need to take that information now and do something valuable with it. And that's the piece that's missing right now, uh, I, in my opinion. I mean, I. So we'll see more hopefully, and uh, you and I will look back and say. Oh, so that was what it was all about. I I thought of that ten years ago. You know, you can see yourself uh, sitting around a group of his older guys saying, "Oh, I thought of that, but I never did anything about it." Well, okay, you know. um, Of course, we didn't think about it at that time. No, no, Uh, that's true. But but at (laughs) least we can we can we can uh, brag about it. It's like the fishing stories, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Chuck, thanks. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks. So Thanks, Chuck. Thanks to our listeners for listening. I hope it was entertaining and you uh, learned something. That's it for this episode of the JCMS Author Interviews podcast. Uh, and once again, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. And if you did, uh, please give us a rating, review us where you listen. It helps more people to find these uh, interviews. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss uh, future issues. And if you're looking for more great CDA podcasts, be sure to check out Dermalog's, our resident podcast, which is hosted by my colleague, Dr. Carrie Purdy. So I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time, be good to each other.